Welcome back to a special edition of the Sounder at Heart uh, podcast and No Sadietes. I'm Jeremiah Chan. Joining me today, Garth Logaway in his office. Uh, this is the first time we've been able to do this in like three years. That is, man. Uh, hopefully this we can get this pandemic in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Uh, and hey, in the meantime, this is probably the last time we ever talk here. No, that's not true. I guess it's going to be a little longer. But why don't we start there? I, I hadn't necessarily planned on starting here. You guys are going to be moving into a new facility in a couple years, less than a couple, less than two years from now. Do you, are you at the point now where you're like imagining what that's going to be like and how that might end up influencing this organization? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's definitely part of the process is that big picture vision of what we want that facility to be. And, you know, we're far enough along with, with some of the details where, you know, you're designing floor plans and rooms and spaces and like that thing that we've been talking about for five years that we know we, we weren't able, like now we can do that. So there's a whole bunch of kind of long range things that I think come to fruition in that facility. And, and look, I, I think it's going to be better, not just for our players, but for our staff and for the fans and for media. And, you know, I think it's just a, a chance to really kind of build a Sounders wonderland, if you will. Do you think it ends up changing anything about like the core elements of the Sounders or does it feel like it's just kind of raising the, the bar so um, I, I, can it be both? You know, like I, like I think I think we literally are going to get better on a lot of fronts, and and uh, you know, really build off the vision of of what this was, right? Because when when Starfire was was built, or when the Sounders occupied Starfire, I should say, that was one of the best facilities in MLS. I mean, I remember coming here when I worked for Salt Lake and taking it, Chris Henderson taking me on a tour and being like, "This is unbelievable!" Like, and you know, you know, it's just and it's such yeah, a beautiful. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and it's a beautiful setting. Like when you when you come in here and it's the tree lined avenues and there's the park and the eagles are fishing in the Green River and you're like, this is this bucolic northwestern. Like it's it is gorgeous and you feel like you're part of something special, right? So it, it's been a, a really good home for us here and um, hopefully we can take the best elements of this and bring them across the street, so to speak, because I think it, it is kind of minimally disruptive that way as well. And mm-hmm. and then you have this awesome campus over there where we're again we're part of something bigger than us as, as part of the unico project and you know again you got lakes and forests and you know a bunch of soccer fields and about starfire but uh the bigger. saturation turned up quite yeah. a bit and yeah. uh yeah it's, it's it's very exciting do you do you imagine that the offices will move before the the training facility moves or is it got everyone to move all over I, you know, look, pragmatically, yes, that's more likely, but I think that's all a function of the return-to-work posture. We, you know, we've been fully remote on the business side now for two years, um, and so I think that we'll probably, you know, I don't think that that'll be our posture, you know, permanently or anything like that, but I do think that we will inevitably mirror what happens with the big employers in this, uh, you know, in the city, in the region, um, and so I think that's still playing out as to how that, what that's going to look like, what, what that's going to happen, but We've always kept some footprint of, you know, we kept the 90 during the pandemic even, so people can come in, they can work. There are certain groups that, you know, are better, function better on site and uh, are more cohesive collectively. So um, I think it'll be more case by case, department by department, you know, that, that folks will move in. And and, uh, and look, and again, it's, it's part of a, a five-story office commercial real estate project. So there are going to be some pragmatic uh, factors of that too, just in terms of, you know, as one example, like, can you 
is is the kitchen functioning or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know if it's not, it's not the end of the world. But then you have to go offsite to to eat, and you know, there's 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 just practical things like that that I think will impact kind of the timeline of when do we start, how many people start, do, do we all show up together at once, or do we exactly exactly all that stuff have to you know? And, and by the way, the the bathrooms, the code, or whatever other right. stuff that you have to get certified before you can occupy. So, but it's an exciting project, and we're definitely going to move. In there, to your point, we're going to move in there in some form or fashion. I think in a year or so, and then you know ramp up slowly over time as to when the field. You know that depends on when the fields get built and, and all the other stuff. Yeah, so this is also a, a, an exciting time uh, for you, I suppose, personally, in that it's is uh, election season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know we, we have we're in the literally the 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 ballots have, have are now officially open for the third ever uh, Sounders GM vote. It's a very you know, it's it's a unique thing in North American sports. It's really a pretty unique thing in, in world sport. There's not it's not pretty unique. It's a bad turn of phrase, but it's not the most common thing anywhere in sport, let alone North American sport, where it doesn't happen anywhere. Uh, but your vote, your position is obviously being is up for election. Uh, is this? I don't know. What's your? You're someone who likes uh, the world of politics. Do you do you enjoy this a little bit? Um. <laughs> Yes, yes and no. I mean, I like I enjoy it holistically in the sense that this is a really cool part of the Sounders, right? It's a really amazing foundational piece, democracy and sports and you know, I, I just the other just at the last game I was doing a, uh, uh, an event before the game and you know, came up on two season ticket holders and and you know, again, these are folks that I always always like shake people's hands and congratulate like oh you've been since 2009 they're like actually since you know 1978 or whatever you know like i'm like oh yeah that doesn't happen anywhere else like and and literally it's unique to seattle right that you have people that have supported the team for that long period of time and um you know that's the kind of thing where like there is this is somewhat hallowed ground in that sense that that you know like if if those folks feel like there should okay who, who am i to tell you there shouldn't be a vote right i mean so I think there's that part of it, you know, the pragmatic aspect of you know, the the the, you know, the vote could go badly, right? I mean, and and yeah. I'd like to think that it won't, but uh, it started two weeks ago. Maybe it would be going differently. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if in the middle of that the, that stretch, and hopefully we've turned that around, and hopefully we build momentum to playoffs. Now, I I think we think we have. I think we will. Um, but but look, even then, then I think you step back again. You're like, okay, but this isn't about me. Personally, like in terms of what's good for the club, you have to put this in, in that context always, right? And that's that's the idea, right, is if you're the GM of the Sounders, you are a steward of the club and part of this, you know, almost 50-year history. And that's what you got to kind of stay – I mean, not even stay focused on, but you, you got to believe in. That's part of the that's part of the job. That's part of who it is. And, look, that's why you get, you know, 40,000 people on the weekend because – People are part of this. We are part of the community. It is authentic. We have fan-funded fields, and we're hosting the World Cup. Like, all these things that go into that, this is part of that, and I think it's important. I think I think that holistic vision is super important when it comes to the GM vote, you know, to, to get out and vote and support and exercise your, your being a part of the Sounders. I've always thought of the GM vote more of a, of a, of a vote on the direction, of a commentary on the direction of the team than on any individual's performance in that position. Do you look at it as a personal, like people are personally judging you, or do you look at it more as, okay, the Sounders have done X, Y, and Z, and that's what they're kind of voting on? 
It's look, the honest answer to that is it's it's hard to completely divorce yourself personally because if you lose the vote, your family has to move, right? I mean, we, we, we lose our friends and our schools and, and all the cool things that come into being part of Seattle, right? Um, but look, I also recognize that no one cares about that, nor should they. I mean, that, that it is literally personal to me in that sense. Um, and no, you do have to look at that big picture and say it's a referendum on everything. And, and look, I mean, literally, Adrian, as the majority owner, went through this process, right? So if the majority owner can, can, can be evaluated in terms of how's everything going, seems fair that a, that a working guy like me can be evaluated for it. So I think that's the right perspective. Well, I, I think this also gives us maybe a good chance to look back on your time uh, with the Sounders. You obviously started here in 2014, ahead of the 2015 season. Uh, you know, when you took, when you looked at this job in 2014, you saw something that was attractive to you. Uh, I imagine it's that's evolved over time as you've done the job for eight years. Um, I'm just curious, what what is still driving you to to get up in the morning and do this job? Um, look, at the end of the day, I work for a kid's game, and they pay me for it, you know, and you kind of pinch yourself every once in a while and be like, this is my job. Like, I, you know, I, I joke with my wife, like, I, hey, I got to watch TV tonight. Got to watch Got to watch the other games. Got to watch – I got to rewatch the Sounders game, you know, like it's it's a good gig, you know. And Is it, is it fun still? There are days when it's fun. I, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, I, look, it would be silly of me to say that it's not fun, but there's stress. And as you would also expect, and, yeah. um, you know, eight years here, 15 years in overall, um, you know, uh, the good news is, is, is we've had some success with the Sounders. Um, you know, the, the other side of it is like, like any job you do, you, you do, you do it for long enough. You'll you'll you know where the you know where the moles are too, right? And and uh, so it, it's important to have a positive attitude, I think, and to be, you know, the thing that's fun is working with the people on the soccer side of the business, and and you know the forty people over here, and how we came through the pandemic, and you know people that that were the frontline workers, you know, and and seeing how well organized we were, and and uh, you know tip of the cap uh, certainly to Chris Cornish specifically on that, and Dr. Norson and and the Virginia Mason staff that kept us, Dr. Morris, the, the folks who kept us safe, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that is, you know, I think its own reward, uh, so to speak. So, um, so yeah, I'm rambling. Uh, but, you know, yes, it's a fun job. And, and, you know, look, you get what I would say is, I'd say the longer it goes, the less any game matters, but the more focus you get on bigger picture stuff. Um, and so like Champions League was, that was a historic thing. And we planned and schemed and we, you know, Weibel came up with this injury prevention program so we could get the perfect rotation of our player, not perfect, but the best we could rotation of players between league games and Champions League. And, um, you know, worked on that with the performance staff and the coaches and the medical staff and had, you know, it was this really high level of coordination and it was a really intricate thing. And so like, that was really fun to work on to then have this historic outcome and, you know, look, I have said this in other places, but, you know, when the second goal is scored and there's 70,000 people, like, for, for the second time, by the way, because after 2019, right, so we've replicated this incredible thing. Like, again, to come back to, like, the foundations of, like, why this is a cool job, they're just, you know, maybe in Atlanta, but, like, there's no other place in America that you could put that crowd together mm -hmm. and to do it twice in four years, I guess, in 19 and 22. And... 
then the flashlights come on and it was dude it was like a spiritual experience i i i stand by that like um and i'm an atheist so maybe i maybe i'm not appreciating spirituality enough but uh you know you know people are literally swaying back and forth and you know i, I don't know that anyone was singing but like it was this incredibly shared it was like being at a rock concert i mean it, it was a shared moment that we all collectively had together and then we scored the third goal and you thought the building was going to collapse and like that will be with me forever. Like that, I can't imagine having a memory that's better than that. And my family was there with me, and like it was, um, like it was everything you'd ever hope. Like, what do you work in sports for? It was that. And so, you know, a long-winded way to say, I don't know if I get up for the midweek game in March sometimes anymore. But uh, you know, if you're working on these big things, these big picture things that are literally for immortality. That's fun, and that's challenging, and that's rewarding. Uh, so you you wear a, a fair number of hats. I mean, quite literally, you're the president of soccer and GM and chief soccer officer of the Sounders. Uh, and you, I, I imagine that requires you to have your fingers in parts of this organization that you don't necessarily have if you are just like the GM or you're you're just like you're not just a talent evaluator. You're not just hiring people, you're doing, you know, a little bit of, of everything, presumably. Um, but if you were to write your job description and say, this is what I have to do better than anyone else to be successful, what, what do you think that is? Let me try to answer this humorless, with some humor first, which is uh, my wife asked me, what is it that you actually do? Uh, and, you know, my answer is I generally manage. So it's a version of that where I'm, uh, I'm a mile wide and an inch deep. You know, I, I have to, as you said, I have to be involved in lots of different things, and I have to be competent in most of those things. Um, but at least with my management style, I need to, what I really need to do is hire experts in each one of those fields and then get the experts working together toward that bigger overall goal. Uh, and if I do that, then, I mean, like, I figured out, like, the best story that I can tell about this is I came here, and we had a staff of 11 people at Salt Lake, right? And I came here, and Chris Henderson, who I had known forever and, and you know, had a good relationship with coming in, um, but uh, Chris could have sunk me or, or made me, you know, and he was incredible, wonderful from day one, accepting, like, and he didn't have to do any of that. And, you know, just, I was I was literally the new guy that was imposed on him. And, you know, we had conversations early on, and, and I worked out that, like, this guy's a really elite talent evaluator. And, yeah, I had done that for Salt Lake, but I was like, well, what's the thing I can do to make this relationship work, knowing that Chris has really done me more than a solid? All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep him doing what he was doing. He's done a great job on talent evaluation. I'm going to keep him in that role, and I'm going to empower him to, to go further with it. Um, and so when I kind of clicked there was, you know, I can work harder and I can make myself 2%, 5% better, something like that. But now that I'm at the Sounders and there are 40 people here instead of 11, the real, it's not magic, but the real systematic difference you can make is if you can make eight or 10 department heads 2 to 5% better, now all of a sudden the organization's 40% better. And now everything is holistically, and, and you know, at that time, you know, S2 existed, but there hadn't, there was not an academy and a functioning sense. I mean, it, again, it existed, but it was literally. They didn't, they didn't play a game. Uh, S two hadn't played a game, so that was being built from scratch. And so you had this kind of bare bones infrastructure, and the academy was, I think, was part time employees for the most part. Maybe there's one or two full time guys, and and again, not that those folks didn't work their tails off. Like to the contrary, they probably did more work 
you know, for less money and, and all that. But we, we, we identified early on that that was a space that we really needed to invest in infrastructure-wise. And, and again, like, this is the kind of stuff, too, then you find out in your right place if you're in the right place or not because infrastructure literally has no ROI most of the time, right? It is just, I, you know, I'm asking for money to do this thing that will pay off in five years, six years, seven years. It's the ultimate trust me i know you know i know what i'm doing kind of thing and 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 look player, player development hadn't been a part of the sounders traditionally i mean we need to acknowledge that right and so i give adrian credit he he, he gave me a chance to to kind of put this program together and again i i think it's paid off you know uh won three youth championships now and the mls np team is is uh, has a chance to win the whole uh to win the supporter shield on friday um and uh you know hopefully they have a chance to win a championship um, and obviously the first team has, has won three titles as well. So, um, you know, we're, we built an organization. You know, when I, when I, what I like to say, Jeremiah, is this was, this was a soccer team when I came here, um, and I believe now we've built a, a soccer club. And, and, again, I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory manner toward what came before. It's just we've invested on, on many different levels now, many different platforms and again, like ownership took a risk with that, and they made significant investments. And I think that's the stuff that people don't see. And it's you know it's worth my singing the praises of the ownership here in the sense that they have consistently reinvested our fans' hard-earned money back in the club. And they've done it, I think, for, in strategic ways that have are going to be a long-term benefit to the club. So I guess this is a, a question that you can either take as one answer or maybe it's two questions, but. How do you either see this job evolving in order to keep like you excited about it, or what do you think you're looking like eventually someday down the road, whether it be in six months or six years or sixty or? Yeah, look, I, I will answer this again uh, in an attempted at humor, but uh, every time there's an article uh, written somewhere that speculates about what might happen, you know, in the future and stuff like that, <laughs> my wife always comes up to me and she usually you know gives me a nice hug and says. You know, none of these people ever call me, and I'm the one who's going to make this decision. So, why are they bothering with these articles? Next about ask ask Hillary. So, you know, it's one of those where we're like, look, you know, to go back to the, you know, to the, the job stuff. I mean, Seattle's awesome, and and the community's awesome, and you know, friends and schools, and you know, stuff like that. Like we were just over at our. You know, our neighbors, nobody, your audience doesn't care about this, so I won't go on. But, I mean, it's, it's, we have a good life, and, and that means a lot, and the family means a lot, and the family's happiness means a lot. And I think, yes, there's always going to be career things and are you challenged and all that stuff, but I think you got to weigh that always against family. I mean, even going back to when I came here, you know, again, I don't know what ultimately would have happened, but there was another club that, that you know, had mooted the idea of me going as the CEO there, and – Purely career-wise, maybe that was the right choice, but family-wise, this was the right choice. And so, you know, family has a way of, I think, uh, really informing that. And I think that's the right balance. I mean, if you want to be happy and, you know, if you want to have fun days and stuff like that, then I think that goes a long way, and that's what you have to weigh. And and, uh, so, you know, we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. It feels like a real consideration for you that, like, the happiness of your kids, and you've got three kids in school now. You've got a wife who seems to be enjoying the Seattle area, yep. Um, which I'm guessing factor into whatever you do, right? Yeah, look, and, like, 
our neighborhood is beautiful. Like when you go take the dog for a walk, like we're on a, you know, we're, we're not that far from Lake Washington and you can go to a public park down the road and, you know, we're in, we're in Kirkland. So folks can imagine, you know, and it's just, it's like, you know, there are turtles and a blue heron and like an osprey and, and like eagles fishing. And like, you know, I grew up in Chicago, like there's flat and it's cornfields. Like that's, that's, that's what it is. And like, yeah, you got a lake and it's beautiful and you got to drive down, you got to fight the traffic to get downtown and you can see it there. But like, you know, it's the same as Seattle, right? I mean, the Puget, but like even just standing, you know what I do sometimes, Jeremiah, is after games, before games, when I come in, depending on what time, sometimes more often before games, night games, um, you go to, you drive up to the top of the parking deck at, at Lumen. And as you That's know, view from a parking garage, anywhere, maybe anywhere in the world. Yes. A, it's, so you know what I'm talking yes. about. So you get up there and I, I get out of the car and I'm just like, man, like this doesn't suck. Like, like this is, you know, and you get those pink skies over here. Like, mm-hmm. like, and I, even, you know, when we did the nightfall Jersey, like when it was first suggested, I was like pink, like that's odd. And then. You know, I, I thought about it and I, you know, looked at the pictures we had from, you know, in the archives and stuff. And I was like, that's stunningly, breathtakingly beautiful. Like it's, and, and you know, again, like to what's important in life, right? Like that natural beauty, like you just, you can't find it everywhere. And, and it's worth thinking about, you know, kind of how that, that uh, impacts your life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, See, so you mentioned uh, the kids. This feels like a good transition into this. Uh, you have previously mentioned that you started you you uh, en- re-entered the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, how how has that been? Have there been any like is that is still an ongoing? You still have ongoing adventures with your with your boys? And uh, I don't know. Do you do you learn things about yourself in in like putting the cloak back on? And I assume you're the dungeon master. Yeah. Look. I, I don't know. I'm look. Like I, no, no, no. That, that, that's all pretty good. Um, and 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 again, I will, I will, especially I'll, I'll, I'll tell this through the lens of my my ten year old. Um, you know, he already knows more about it than I do. And 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 so he was like, you know, Daddy, you're supposed to do this and this and this here. Like he kind of just like rolls, roll, yeah, roll, yeah. He'll roll his eyes at me and be like, Dad, did you really? You should really include this and that. So there's an element that you know. Look, it's first and foremost, I'm, I'm, I get to be dad, and uh-huh. we get to have fun with them, and and you know, and you're using your imagination, right? And um, I always loved the the South Park episode where they, um, you know, they had Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and, and a bunch of the characters. You know, they say sometimes your imaginary, it's literally the Imagination Land trilogy. If we're gonna really get into our loser dumb here, and uh, uh, you know. The, the big line at the end is, you know, sometimes your imaginary friends are more important than your than your actual friends, or you know, or that that, and you know, just the idea of ideologically, like to be able to imagine, come up with things. Like, and again, when you look at the world through a kid's eyes and you can create something, to imagine it together, that's really cool. Like, like the picture in my office that I kind of center on is there's uh, it's a picture of my two oldest boys uh, and they're chasing bubbles in our backyard. And, you know, the bubbles are framed, and you can see that rainbow. And, and it's, it's a pretty picture. But it's just like, look, if I do anything today that is as happy as them chasing those bubbles when they were four and six years old, like, that's, that's, that's the point. That's, 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 that's what we are aiming for here. So, uh, again, I don't, I don't know that I make it there every day, but uh, we strive for that. So a long-winded way to say I, I am I – am, a basic level D&D player. I, I don't want to oversell that. Like, my, my 10-year-old knows literally more than I do about it. Um, and, and, look, some of it is just, like, when I played, not 
shockingly, when I played 40 years ago, not everything had developed as much as it is now, and it's now more sophisticated and more colored and more layered, and and so you wind up telling the story, and and that part is really fun, and it, but a lot of it honestly is just seeing how enthusiastic they are about it, and the idea that they can create a character and they have agency then about this avatar of theirs, and and uh, you know it's that that's the fun part. It's it's being a dad. That's that's maybe the most. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would. I mean, and not least of which, because Wizards of the Coast is a Seattle company. I mean, the the, the inventors and purveyors of, and maybe not the inventors, but I think I can't remember whether they originally did it or they bought it. But the other cool thing about Dungeons and Dragons has always been you can make it whatever you want to make it. You know, you can have any kind of adventure you want. You can put it in any kind of campaign or realm or world, and um, you know, and so you can tweak it and tailor it to what you what you want to do. But it, look, Jeremiah, I mean, to, to answer your question again. Like think of it, like I've done interviews this year about the Avengers, Dungeons and Dragons. You and I have had hour long conversations about comic books and the and the MCU. Like I'm not convinced that I, I, if for better or worse this is my tribe. I think uh, you know. Uh, kind of feels that way. Yeah, I, it, it's uh, and, and look, I don't I don't mean to to tar everyone with with that terrible brush and be associated <laughs> with me uh, and all my flaws and faults, but. You know, I guess, I guess, you know, the other thing I come back to is just to always kind of approach these things with humility, because, uh, you know, it certainly can be worse. It certainly has been worse. And, you know, again, you want to be fulfilled. You want to be challenged. You know, but if you approach it with humility, you know, the the, the fun things. It all kind of comes back to the same things. What's fun? It's putting a whole bunch of people together. It's building an organization. It's working collectively on something that's bigger than you, and. If you have, like in Seattle, all of these smart people doing all of these different creative things, then, you know, you could do even media interviews where you talk about this stuff. And, like, that's – I do think that that's unique. Like, like I, I do think that, if nothing else, eight years ago we made the right decision. So, you know, I, I would imagine in, in those eight years, I, I have to assume seeing the way that you reacted to winning – Champions League that has to be your top sporting memory. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but do you have favorite like, uh, like whether it be? No, uh, just let me jump in here real quick, Jeremiah. Just because the one argument that I've read online is, uh, you know, hey, Garth might want to move because he's accomplished everything he can. Like, who gets tired of winning? Like, who? Like, I, I, that that one's bizarre to me. Like, oh, I I've won so much, I don't want to win anymore. Like, like I would, I must have to, I have to leave because we keep winning. Like, and look, the league gets better every year, right? And, and it gets more complicated and, and yeah. So I think it's, I think there's a continuous challenge. Do you just sort of have a favorite Seattle memory, like of, like in these eight years? Yeah. So, I mean, look, the, the first one I think is, again, I don't know how profound this is, but I coached my, my now eight-year-old and and when he was four or five and you know my I have a little, my little one right now is four it just like when you go to the the part, local public park and your coach are playing in peewee ball like again there's no more pure form of joy than on a sunny Saturday morning watching your kid run around and play and stuff like that so like and it's like it just it's like a happy thing to think about and to do and um, in terms of non-soccer memory, you know, like the the pandemic was tough, man. It was tough on a lot of people, and you're isolated and stuff. And you know, we've kept this kind of core group. We don't. I wouldn't say that we have lots and lots of friends. My my wife does, but I don't. I, I'm not able to maintain lots of friendships outside. Um, 
and so, but we have these couple friends, and we've really become you know now long term friends because their kids are similar ages, and, and we've kind of grown up, and we went through this pandemic together. And so, you know, for kids' birthdays, we had to come up with all these creative things. We did one where everybody lined up and drove their cars past the house, and and you know honked their horns, and one of my sons waved at him and stuff. And like early in the pandemic, that was like all you could do, and and. But we got, as it progressed, and we would go and we would meet in parks because then at that point it was kind of like, hey, this is still really scary, but if you go outside, probably you're okay. And, you know, and, and the way it worked was you could – the parks were all open because, you know, people weren't going to work all the time and stuff. So we, anyway, we did this. And my wife came up with this uh, obstacle course, uh, what we called the, the Olympics, uh, and we had a couple of the kids that had birthdays around similar ages. And so we had a couple of families and – had this Olympics course where you're running over stuff and jumping stuff, and we had uh, uh, a, a tube. I don't know how to describe it. But do you know those accordion things that literally like four-year-olds kind of crawl through, like when they're learning how to crawl and stuff? And, and yeah. so, and we had one with dinosaurs on it and stuff like that. And, and again, it's meant for four-year-olds. So, but one of the things was, you know, you you do your running and jumping, and then the last one is you got to dive through the tunnel and then you know get up and go to the finish line. And um, suffice to say, Jeremiah, I'm, I'm not I'm not a small man. And uh, I did this. I did this, and uh, I didn't. I didn't. I made it out eventually, but there was there was a little bit of friction in terms of getting me through the tube. Um, was this some Winnie the Pooh type of situation? It was. Yeah, yeah. There's no honey available to, to unstick me, but but I, I did have to kind of uh, wiggle my way out. And uh, my my wife, who's always supportive and loving, uh, made sure that she documented that uh, with pictures and and stuff. And. Um, there are people looking on in horror in the background, you know, wondering if I'm in physical pain or danger or anything like that. And of course, I wasn't. Yes, yes, yes. And, and to be clear, uh, the result of all this was that a series of pictures, and I, I was able to make my wife a throw pillow for Mother's Day. I, I, I didn't, I didn't make it. To be clear, I ordered it, but I was able to use the pictures. And so we have a throw pillow that has me emerging from the child size tube that is now sitting prominently in our living room. And so, uh, and, and to this day, years later, now two year, at least two years later, my wife will laugh every single time. And, and it's not, she tells me it's, she's laughing with me. It doesn't always feel that way, Jeremiah. Like it, it's a little bit of uh, of uh, laughing at me, yeah. but uh, let's do it after a fight. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and uh, so anyway, that was uh, that, but that was a uh, you know that was a cool way to celebrate a birthday during the pandemic, and everybody had a great time, and that was a you know that was a special day. So is this, I don't know if this counts as a soccer memory, but it's a memory related to soccer that I think a lot of Sounders fans will uh, recall fondly. Uh, but you gave a speech. Uh, prior to the Champions League final on the field. Uh, can you just take me behind the scenes of that? What was the – was it – did you write it? Did you yeah. – was it freestyled? Was no. It, uh, who were you channeling? Um, well, first of all, that game – there was more traffic for that game than any Sounders game I've been to in eight years. I think there's a concert and a Mariners game. Yes. There so was, so I'm, I'm not exaggerating when, when, I, when I say that I, I had to, you know, just – I just barely made it, and like, and as I pulled into the parking garage, like, they were ready to, for me to walk out on the field, and I, I like drifted my car like in without stopping, you know, and just like just shoved it up against the wall and like literally ran to the field. So I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it was the calmest frame of mind I've ever been in uh, when I, cause I, I, I'm, I, I'm not exaggerating. I did not from the time I entered the parking garage to when I began speaking. I was at no point was I lower than like a slow jog at the very least in order to make it because we had you know a six minute window or something like that so um, uh, you know but it was yes it was uh, it was it was scripted we wrote it and and 
uh, and certainly it was practiced and prepared and all that stuff. And, and I was aware that the acoustics might not be great because I think a lot of people who liked it liked it more after the fact oh, when okay. they could. It was almost indecipherable. Yeah. And so it was one of those where you could you kind of wanted to do it with a cadence in the sense of the only way to interact with a crowd would be to kind of say something and then wait, yeah, and then let, let the energy build. And, and, and it's an inexact science, um, but that was what I think played out. And, and you know, given that, uh, you know, we said, you know, it was, it was, I think people were excited. Like, at the end of the day, it was authentic, right? So that yeah, was... You sold 70,000 tickets. Yes, yes, and I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I did, but, but uh, we did, and... Um, you know, I, I got enough compliments, and, and I, I think on your website there was a, a motivational video that was uh, the, uh, memed off of that and stuff like that. So, um, again, with that humility, it's it's you know, if people are making fun of you, then uh, probably that means they're enjoying it. So that's you know, I think anyway, I think it was part of the ecosystem of the Champions League. It was a lot of fun to do, um, and I think it was one of those things that was, you know, I think. It was well prepared, if nothing else. I don't know how, you know, ultimately it seemed like it was well received, but uh, we certainly, we tried hard to, to make the best impression we could. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's hard to argue with the, with the end results at the, at the very, very least. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun to, I think the energy was what people were responding to. Like you said, like it was. I worked 11 years for that, Jeremiah. I mean, I mean, eleven years, and like I'm, I, I, I'm not exaggerating that story. Like I, I put that picture up on my fireplace, and I looked at it every day for eleven years. I didn't think I would get a chance to do that, and and so I, I think that comes through as well. Is this this was, this was it? Like this was that thing that I worked my whole career for, and and again, it's not personal, but if you ask where the energy came from, I mean, <laughs> when ECS invited me up after the game, I mean, I. I had some energy then too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I remember. I think uh, Sam Stasekul was making fun of me that I was bouncing up and down or something like that while I was. Th- I, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, was I don't. I don't even remember that. I... I couldn't believe it. That was awesome. Yeah, that was yeah. glowing. I was glowing, and 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 yeah. Just credit to our players, man. Our players are amazing, and and uh, you know they work so hard at that. It was to, to have accomplished that historic thing as a, as a club is just, it's just awesome. And then it'll be with the Sounders forever. The thing you were actually glowing about uh, in that post game and that, in, you know, in, in that discussion, if I remember correctly, was you seemed really, really genuinely excited about getting a spot in the club world cup. It, you know, it's gone through some roller coasters in terms of what's going to happen. It's looking, I think, Maybe you know more than me. It looks like it could happen. It looks like it might even happen in the United States, which would be, I have to imagine, way beyond what you had ever really thought was possible. We'll change our preseason. Yeah. I mean, how does that, how does playing, like, assuming it happens, or no, actually, that's the wrong way of putting this. How does, whether or not the Club World Cup happens this, you know, presumably uh, in the upcoming offseason, preseason, I guess, would be a better way of putting it. How does that impact the way that you build the roster? This is going to sound strange, I think, Jeremiah, but I don't know that it does. Here's what I mean. Um, we don't we don't know yet when, mm-hmm. we don't know where, and we don't know yet when the transfer windows are going to be. So if the transfer windows were lined up as they were this year, we would literally and, – and, and it were played – you know, if the tournament's played in early February and the transfer window opens in mid-February – there is a scenario under which we we can't sign any players. Now, again, do I think that there'll be an accommodation? Like, I think we'll find a solution to that, to be clear. 
but like that's the level of where we're at in terms of planning and 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 trying to adapt to this and um so there's just a ton of uncertainty around it um I don't know more than you. I mean, we, we have nothing in writing uh, from anyone about the tournament. Um, it's two to three games. Right. And so are you going to sign – I mean, just, just rationally, are you going to sign a, a player for two to three games? Like, you, you know, still don't know if you have added resources, right? Like, you, nope. Like the league still has not said nope. if, you, if you guys qualify, you're going to get X amount yep. added. And, I, and I, th- I think the answer to that question is probably going to be nothing. No. Yeah, nothing. Um, you know, and, you know, as we've talked about in other forums, like we had three years of flat salary cap, and because we kept winning, we pushed all of those salaries back in the next year. So, again, this is this goes back to the summer and everything we've talked about. But, you know, we are we're effectively paying the piper next year for the last uh, run of success. And, I, and I, you know, again, you can undo that. You can, you, there's always things you can do, but I, I think you're going to want to balance like, okay, What's the chance of winning the Club World Cup? Sure. I'm not sure how likely that one is. Might not fight it. One, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know, do you want to risk JP's ACL reconstruction on playing a game in the first week of February? Now he might. To be clear, he might be fine, but if he's not, do you go all in for two games, or do you look at? Because next year, keep in mind that the the MLS fundamentally changes next season. It's not just the salary cap, but it's the structure of the season. So you have now 34 league games. You have potentially seven League's Cup games, right, plus Open Cup. So now as a plus playoffs. So you're probably playing, a good team at least, is playing 45 games a year at a minimum. So literally a Champions League schedule every single season with the commensurate number. Someone's Champions League itself, yes. Be yes, be, be that exactly, exactly, and and obviously we have to win MLS Cup to right. to qualify for Champions League, and 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 so and it, you know it is not inconceivable. You know, when we heard of like last year, you know, when Liverpool played the last game, they, they it was their 60th game or something like that when they when they played Man City, one of the two of them, I think it was Liverpool, uh, when they played in the uh, the final was it was Liverpool because that was their I think their 60th game. I don't know that anybody's going to get to 60, but we could be in the yeah, 50s. Uh, and, and, like, it fundamentally changes how you approach a season, and you have to have more players. Like, more players that you are playing, you have to rotate your team more, and you have to evolve because you, you have to understand then how to – yes, we're always going to try to win every competition. We're always going to put out, out a fair effort. But, you know, I think there's a little bit of this, well, if you play – uh, you know, a couple of young kids, or if you play some of the reserves, oh, you're not trying to win that game. Well, that that means you're not putting a priority on that competition, and I I, I just don't think that's true. And that that's you know, fun. I, I had a version of this conversation with Casey on on the TV broadcast the other day. That's also not how it works in Europe. You don't play 13 guys 60 times. You have you know a 24 20, to 30 man squad, and you rotate that squad, and that's and that's how you manage that game load. And we have to do the same thing. Long winded way to say. Yes, the two, you know, the two to three games we have, you know, if it's in February, super important, you know. But I honestly don't think we're going to get embarrassed, Jeremiah. I mean, I, th- I think we have a very good team. I don't view, you know, is Real Madrid better than us? Yeah, on, on paper I would concede that. But, you know, <coughs> the, you know, the other teams, you know, I don't think that we're going to – we need to approach this and be like, oh, we got to make sure we're not embarrassed. Like, we're going to be fine. We're a, we're a good team. Um, but likewise, again, do you emphasize the two or do you emphasize the – the 45, and I think 
no matter how tempting this this the two are, that uh, you probably have to weigh as much the 45 uh, in terms of how you approach that. Do you think the way Champions League ended up having, I, I think, an undeniable impact on the regular season affects your thinking? Or was this sort of vaguely within your expected, like, you probably knew there would be some struggles. I don't know if you knew the degree, but I don't know. Does it change? Did like did going through that process change the way you you would view it in the future? No, no. I I I mean, look, for better or worse, Jeremiah. I I believe what I believe at this point. You know, I believe in player development. I believe in playing young players. I believe in um, you can structure things as long as you have a set system where uh, a number of young players can succeed. Um, if you surround them with veterans and put them in positions to succeed and you play them consistently. And so conceptually, I, I believe what I believe. I certainly wouldn't change anything we did with Champions League, right? I mean, it, it, we won, we did something no one's ever done before. So, you know, kind of whatever the cost of that, I'll, I'll pay. Um, now, do I want to miss the playoffs? No. And, and, and I don't think that we should. I mean, I think that we're, there's a scenario in which we're favored in every game the rest of the way. Um, and it doesn't make it easy. Um, it, it's, it's, in fact, it's very, very hard. I mean, that's why, you know, websites like 538 have us with a 29% chance because, um, you know, we haven't previously won six games in a row. But we certainly are capable of that, you know. And, and uh, you know, as recently as I think it was June 25 or July 2, we were playing at the second highest points per game clip post Champions League. Um, and so, you know, in, in you know, just the last game, you know, we were fielding seven best 11 players. And in the entirety of the Sounders' history, I think they've had 14 or 15 best 11, you know, half of which are playing right now for this team on the weekend. Um, and that's with two out in JP and Christian Roldan. So this is, this is a really good team. And so if you – to tie back to the Club World Cup and stuff, then, you know, I don't think we're going to get embarrassed. Um, maybe that's naive, but I, I, that's not my concern. Um, and then it's just a question of how much – how all in do you go there versus – you know, the, the balance of the rest of the, the season, what's good for the group. So one of the other costs, I guess, uh, of the Champions League was, and you've been upfront about this, but you really pushed your chips uh, into the beginning of the season. You put as good of a roster as you could put out, really, uh, from uh, from first kick. Uh, but the, the, the end result of that was that there wasn't much room for doing a lot in the summer. Was this a tough summer for you to... S- like, I know you guys didn't do nothing. You yeah. spent a lot of time <laughs> looking at various possibilities, but was it, a, was it a hard summer to go through and seeing, like, man, I'd love to do this move, but we just can't? Yeah, look, it, it, was, it was a test of faith, if you will. Like, we had this plan. Again, we knew the downsides of the plan, and, you know, we had seen the upsides of it, and it was almost like the upsides, having won the Champions League, kind of steeled us for – you know, as we, you know, chased rabbits down various holes, you know, again, like, you know, we, you, you and I talked uh, uh, before before the interview, you know, about Mendez going to LAFC and stuff like that. Like, we were offered Mendez. We're, you know, a bunch of the guys that moved, we were, we were offered, and, you know, all of which were significant uh, investments. And if you did it, that would cost you a starter next year. And that was that was it. And it was, you know, if you believe that the team is really good, and if you believe that you have young players that are really good, um, which I do and we do, um, you know, and, and look, it, it'll play out now, right? I mean, Leva and Atencio have, have both been very good for us for parts of two years, and 
we're going to make it or not make it in part because of their efforts. Now, again, you've surrounded them with nine other veterans and I think put them in a position to succeed and you've played them consistently now and given them the best chance to succeed. So um, we're going to see it play out, you know, and, and, you know, are we always reflecting and, and always second guessing ourselves? And like, yeah, that's, that's what you should be doing. Um, but I do think again, if, you know, the theme of the organization, you know, what's, what's, how does the vote drive this? What's the culture club like for the long term? Sounders, what we did was the right thing. I feel confident of that answer. Um, and, you know, we got to live with that one way or the other. And we'll look, we'll find out if it was right. And, and make it, if we make the playoffs, we'll be some indication of that. You know, like, like it, that was, you know, that was the bet is can you, uh, can you go forward with this group, with these talented young players and make the playoffs without having sacrificed what next year could be, which we believe could be another championship winning team. You know, I guess looking a little farther ahead uh, and, and taking a, a broader view as well, uh, MLS is sort of gearing up for positioning itself ahead of the 2026 World Cup. I don't know, even a variety of ways they're doing this. From your perspective, what, what do you think MLS really needs to do to be in as good of a position as it can be? I think the Apple deal is really interesting, you know, the idea of global distribution, you know, and I think one of the things that will play out, that's, you know, this is the stuff now, Jeremiah, big picture stuff that's really fun to think about. Nobody's really had a global TV deal yet. Like you, you've sold different rights and even the Premier League, you know, in Asia and different places and, you know, may, you know maybe the, the World Cup is the only truly global, you know, television rights kind of thing. Um, but I think it's really interesting, you know, and, and if you reach a truly global audience through Apple, does that, ha does that spur all of these kind of other ecosystems to kind of come to life around MLS? Which is, because I think a lot of people are still fascinated, at least historically, with America. And, you know, I think MLS hasn't gotten the respect that maybe it deserves. And I mean, look, that's why, you know, fundamentally winning Champions League is worth doing. You know, it, it's really hard, but it was worth trying because I do think that that's the first step. Now, that's not the whole mountain. You've climbed the mountain once. Now you're going to stay on top of the mountain. But the League's Cup thing, I think, is going to be really, really awesome in terms of the profile of MLS. Um, and as we build toward the World Cup, soccer is only going to get bigger. I mean, if you look at the valuations, uh, I think Forbes and Sportico, I think they're, they haven't come out. They're coming out uh, soon again about the MLS teams, and that stuff is consistently ticked up and stuff. And, uh, you know, I just think there's going to be a ton of investment in the sport. I mean, and there's going to be a ton of investment in Seattle specifically as well in terms of hosting uh, the World Cup. And if you look at that infrastructure going in place all around the United States, uh, it's pretty exciting. You know, like, like I just remember when I was working at the law firm at Latham in, in D.C. and, you know, I, I was offered the RSL job at the time. And, and uh, you know, most of the people thought I was nuts. Like, you're at a Fortune 500 law firm, like, you got a career path here that's that's stable and steady. And what are you doing? You're going to the worst team in a league that might fail. And you know, this is kind of the bet. You know, this this was I didn't know when we'd host the World Cup. I didn't know if we would. You know, but like host the World Cup, like that's that's kind of a lifetime of work for a lot of people. I think culminating and and I'd even say you know members of the media and stuff. You know what what's because I I think the whole ecosystem is going to grow and be elevated and. I think there are going to be more and more opportunities for everyone that's in that ecosystem. And then I think we see what, what it can be. And, and um, I'm really excited to be part of it. And, uh, you know, again, other questions have been asked, you know, over the last 
months and years. You know, do you want to go to Europe and stuff? And I just, I, I just can't fathom going to Europe right now before the World Cup comes to America. Like, like that just, and, and maybe, maybe I'm missing something, but like, it just seems like the opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, it does. It, it really does. Uh, and I don't know, that feels probably like a good place to, to end this. Um, I really appreciate the time uh, you've given me, you've given our listeners. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll have another opportunity to have these, these conversations. Um, and I'll, I'll give a personal plug. Uh, I think whether or not you vote to uh, retain Garth as the, as the GM of the Sounders, I think it's really important for people to just go out and, and vote in this thing. I've said this a million times, but I, I do think uh, what makes this vote special is not so much that it's an opportunity to fire uh, otherwise successful uh, GM. It's that it sends a message that this is an important part of our culture and that, you know, hopefully in 10, 20, 30 years, uh, if this, you know, we get to, you know, the whole point that when uh, when Drew Carey thought of this thing, it was because it was the Browns were driving him crazy. And it's like keeping in mind that it's like, uh, you know, the good times might last forever. And it's important to have a process like this, I think, in place. And at the very least, uh, you know, it, it gives, I don't know, I, I I don't know if it, if it changes the way you do your job, but I would imagine it makes it feel a little bit more like visceral and real that like the fans uh, can can like make a binding vote uh, about your performance. Yeah, look, it, it said a different way, you know, to have the fan support, I think, is is powerful. Right. right. I mean, to know that that the wins at your back and the, the folks that are go that are literally paying their money to right. watch the team want you in charge. I think that that's a. It's a hugely powerful endorsement. Yeah, I mean that's a, a more positive. I, I, yeah, if you like the way the, the organization is going, it's also good to vote and say that that's how you feel. But uh, anyway, Garth, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I'm Jeremiah O'Shan signing off on behalf of the Center at Heart and podcast and No Sunny Uh Remember, you'll never yacht alone. Thanks, Jeremiah.